This is the Frogcast. Welcome to the Frogcast. Recruiting is heating up. We have this new experience of an early signing day as well as our traditional signing day, the first Feb- uh, Wednesday in February. We just had a massive group of commits that were our recruits and commits that were on campus this weekend. We are going to talk about that. Tonight I got Jeremy and Daniel with me. I'm Jeff Mitchell, and we're glad that you're listening to the Frogcast. Daniel, how are you doing tonight, my friend? You hanging yeah, in hanging there in. all right? Uh, just. Uh... Slowly, you know, keeping track of things, watching basketball, uh, starting up the bowl games uh, this weekend, and um, looking forward to uh, obviously the big one that I care about, uh, Alamo Bowl, and then uh, other than that, and then you got the you got the Alito yeah, Bowl, yeah, um, good Alito boy got the the Bearcats in the state. That's championship right. I'm thinking again. about going. Uh, it's kind of a beating to get into Jerry world because uh, one game ends and another begins and everyone has to just kind of fight for seats. Um, at least that's what it was the last time I went. So, well, I might go, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Jeremy, how are you doing tonight? My friend, my friend, I'm doing great. I mean, it's been a, uh, it was a long week this week, man, but I'm looking forward, man. We're rolling into the final two weeks of the year and uh, I always get excited this time of year you got bowl season, you got Christmas, you got time off from work a little bit, and uh, it's always my favorite favorite time of the year for me. Yeah, it is a favorite time of the year for me as well. I've got I got a lot of work this next week. Got three services next Sunday for Christmas Eve and all that good stuff. And as I highlighted last week, got a little boy that should be here in about 10, 12 days. So I'm excited about that. But we got to talk about recruiting tonight. Let's keep our priorities straight, my friends. Jeremy, let's, we're going to walk through a lot on recruiting. Let's just start with two simple questions. I want you to tee it up in, on these two topics that fall under the umbrella of recruiting. Right. Let's just start with the, with the first one. You've covered the Frogs for, for many years, especially on the recruiting front. Have you ever seen this much talent on campus together for an official visit in all the years that you've covered the Frogs? Yeah, believe it or not. I mean, if for official visits, I mean, this would rank up there pretty high. Um, I think if you would have got Keandre Coburn and, uh, uh, who am I missing? Yeah. Coburn's probably the biggest, biggest name on that list that could have, could have made it even more, uh, impressive. The junior days that I've covered in the past where you had the Jonathan Grays and, um, some of those four and five star kids that were all on campus at the same time for junior days, that's pretty impressive, but this is becoming the norm. Getting this kind of talent on campus has become the norm for TCU and their coaches in the last, I mean, five, six years. I mean, it's 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 no longer – I mean, who would have thought six years ago Terrace Marshall coming to TCU several times or, or Jamar Chase this past weekend as a, as a five-star receiver? I mean, that's – you know, who would have thought that TCU could have had that possibility, and now it's become the norm for them. It's it, There's no surprise when – you have uh, those high caliber kids coming on campus and not only are they coming on campus, but you got guys like Justin Rogers. That's a uh, considered one of the top players in the country um, for this class that's committed. And uh, they've got the number 16, 17 class. It, it, it fluctuates 
basically on a daily basis with these commits rolling in all over the country. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I was very impressed with the guys that were on campus, but I'm not shocked by it because this is, this is really becoming the norm for TCU every year. It does seem like this is the new normal, but I will just acknowledge, I feel like it's kind of had some pyramiding growth over the last three or four seasons, and it it is the new normal, but every year it feels like there's one or two more kids that we're getting a really good conversation with that maybe we wouldn't have a couple of years ago. We're going to dig into that in just a second here. The you know the influx of, of talent on campus this last weekend for their final uh, official visit before the early signing day, of course, transitions us into this this whole new approach to signing that that the NCAA and the coaches have rolled out for this season. Explain to us early signing day in a nutshell what it is, what it isn't, and how that impacts numbers and just what you've been able to pick up of how many kids are going to actually take advantage of this. Well, early signing day, I think it's kind of it's it's kind of mixed feelings from coaches across the country. Um, some like it, some don't like it. I, I don't think I've really ever gotten the full opinion from Gary Patterson on it because I know, in one hand, you've got your kids that are committed to you. You're you're wanting them to sign. December twentieth is basically becoming the new signing day. It's going to be the one that has more publicity around it, just because there's going to be so many eyes watching that who's who's committed, but who's not signing with us. Oh, he's not signing with us. He must be looking around. Um, and, and, th- and that's, that's, uh, it's kind of exciting as a college fan, but it's, uh, it's, it's a big headache for college coaches because you're wanting those kids to sign. If they've been committed so long, what's the big deal about not signing? And, this is the time of year where coaches are really coming on uh, strong, trying to get kids to visit. They're not going to be able to visit after this weekend for a few weeks until I believe January starts up again, uh, the official uh, official visit calendar. But as far as the, the numbers go, from what I understand and what, the way it's been explained to me is that if you have a kid that's signing early, they count to the previous year's class. So basically you have, or, or not, they don't, count unless they enroll early and they've got to be on campus in January. So basically uh, you've got, I believe four to five kids right now that are counting actually toward the 2017 class. And and I've confirmed this through a few people. So basically with what they're sitting at right now is 20 commits. But if you think about the kids that are signing early and enrolling early, they're really sitting at about 15 to 16. So you can technically over sign, as long as you have the number of scholarships there remaining, but I don't know if they're really going to go out there and try to sign a, uh, a, a class of 27, 28, 29 kids. Um, I'm, I'm just looking at them with 20 commits right now. They'll probably end up signing around 25. Now, if they get a chance to where all these kids come in and say, we all want to be horn frogs, then yeah, they're, they're going to have a really tough uh, decision to say no, but um, it, it's going to be interesting because right now, there is probably about 60% of the kids that are committed right now, the 20, uh, maybe a little bit more. There's, if I count it real quick, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, um, 12 out of the 20 commits I know are going to be signing on uh, Wednesday or uh, in Justin Rogers case, December 22nd, because you can sign from December 20th through the 22nd. But um, there are obviously going to be some names that we're going to keep a close eye on whether they sign or not. Um, 
I know a couple of Louisiana kids like Eddie Smith. He's uh, probably not going to sign. I've been hearing some rumors that Darius Davis might not be signing early. Um, Caesar, I think, will sign early, but I haven't confirmed yet. These Louisiana kids are getting uh, some pressure from some other programs to to try to come out there and see their programs in January, and 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 that's delaying some of these decisions. Because once you sign that dotted line, boys, it's over. You can't you can't take any more visits. It's it's done, and your your uh, recruitment is over. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how everything plays out starting Wednesday. You know, it will. It's going to. Cl- it's going to clarify who is actually committed, and then I'm sure nobody wants to hear these stories. There's going to be a few kids that thought they had a chance to sign that maybe we'll find out they didn't. Maybe not from TCU, but I guarantee in the Big 12 and the SEC conferences we follow, there's going to be a kid that didn't get the letter that he thought he was going to get, and that's going to, of course, make for some awkward moments. Let's walk through, Jeremy, you posted an article on, 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 on our website this afternoon called Predicting TCU's Next Five Commits. I just want to walk you through the five that you listed. Tell me a little bit about how, what you know maybe of their experience this weekend. Um, you don't have to give me a percentage, of course, but you know how, how confident you feel about the Frogs' ability to land them and maybe what some of the assets they would bring to the program. Let's start with Derek Turner, defensive back out of St. Francisville, Louisiana. He was on campus this weekend. Where do the Frogs stand with Derek Turner? Everyone I've talked to about Derek is is telling me that TCU is the team that's way out in front. I mean, he's uh, been recruited by the Frogs for a few months now, and they offered uh, close to a month ago. Um, he's teammates of Darius Davis. Uh, depending on who you ask, those two are brothers. Um, they, they claim that they're brothers. Uh, I don't know if that's a fact yet or not, but uh, uh, if, if they're close enough to call themselves brothers, then who's going to argue with it? Uh, and, and that's that's a big reason why a lot of folks are thinking Derek's going to end up at TCU. And, and based on what I heard over the weekend is that they feel extremely uh, good about landing him. And I'm just waiting for the clock to tick down to where he comes out and says he's going to be a frog. But as I mentioned just a few moments ago, he's he's part of that. Louisiana bunch that is starting to get pushed from other programs, other programs wanting them to kind of hold off. Hey, we want to show you what we can do for you guys, um, what our program needs are and everything else. So his, his recruitment could be kind of uh, one to watch here in the next few weeks, just because I know other programs are coming in. Auburn's another team that's been on them for a long time, but um, I put them on that uh, predict list just because I've, I've had so many people tell me, that TCU's way out front for him, and and, and as many people have, that have told me, I'm I'm going to believe them. And, and if I was skeptical about it, I probably wouldn't put it out there like that. But there's there's no one that's given me any reason to be skeptical on uh, him being a frog. Yeah, we have a core group out of Louisiana, you know, North and South Louisiana, and the ability to hold on to all of them. They're not all a package deal together, but clearly there's some connectivity. So really going to be curious to see how Davis and Turner respond in between now and, and next Friday when early signing day ends. Second guy you have on the list was a former Horn Frog commit that decommitted, has taken some trips. He's uh, been to Michigan State. I think he's been to Nebraska. I know he was at Tennessee this weekend. Jordan Allen, Juco defensive end, 6'5", 230 out of Fairfield, California, Juco product. Where do the Frogs stand with him? He's got 100% crystal ball predictions to TCU, but I feel like this is uh, this one's going to go down to the wire. And He's got to sign here in the early signing period because he can be on campus in January. Right. 
everything I've been told about him as well, guys, is that TCU might already have a commitment from him, uh, and he's just keeping it silent right now while he's going out and taking those visits. I think um, when when Gary Patterson and Dan Sharp went out there, it was a great visit for them, and and, and Jordan has always been high on TCU. He he decommitted only because he wanted to go out and make sure that his uh, his decision was the right one. Because when, when Jordan committed to t- uh, TCU, he was still somewhat under the radar. And then all of a sudden, a few, about a week and a half later, he gets ranked as a four-star. And then everyone uh, comes out of the woodworks and starts recruiting him. I mean, he's, he's exploded onto the scene within the last two months uh, or month and a half. But uh, er- everything I've been told about Jordan, I feel pretty confident that he's going to end up uh, committing to TCU again and signing with them on Wednesday. Now, like you said, uh, some of these some of these schools coming in, Arizona State, Herman Edwards made a good impression on them. Tennessee, he he went out there. Tennessee just recently offered. He uh, made it out to Knoxville this past weekend, and some of those schools are going to be tough to beat. But TCU has a great relationship with them as far as the the coaches go. They they've stayed on them. They have a great relationship with the mom. And I think that's what wins out in the end, just the relationships he's built with not only the defensive coaches, but the entire coaching staff at TCU and uh, the way he feels comfortable being around them. Don't you see him as somebody that pro- would project well in the four-two-five, as well as kind of the, the tutelage and the coaching of Gary Patterson with that big frame and that oh, yeah. speed? Yeah, absolutely. And just the way he runs, he's, he's, a, he's a fast defensive end. He's, he's got to get in the weight room a little bit. He's not real thick. But it only helps when you can go and tell a, uh, a JUCO player, hey, look at this guy from JUCO that we got out of California a couple of years ago. By the way, he was a first-team All-American, and he was third in the nation in sacks with 11 and a half sacks. Matt Bolson is who, of course, I'm talking about. But uh, TCU has led the Big 12 in total sacks as a team. I think three, the, the last three years, they – did it again this year with 40. Both their defensive ends were in the top five in the Big 12 in total sacks. So, yeah, they've got a great uh, recruiting tool to use as far as the way they develop their defensive ends and the way they've kind of uh, helped them explode onto the college scene. And, and especially when you look at a guy like uh, Ben Banigou, I mean, there's still a lot of people out there talking about him being a uh, potential first-round pick in the NFL. And he's only been in TCU system for about a year and a half. So what's that say about the development TCU can can do uh, for their defensive linemen? So, yeah, I know that's one thing they've been selling uh, to Jordan, of course, and, and he could be the next in line. Yeah, I'm, I hope I hope I have the confidence you have because I would love to see him in the TCU program. I think he's going to be a, a big contributor wherever he hen- ends up. But, you know, that's a great uh, reference to Matt Boson, to somebody to follow Juco kid out of the West Coast. Next commit that you've mentioned here in your article, Jeremy, uh, Jamar Chase, a wide receiver out of Archbishop Rummel down there in suburban uh, uh, New Orleans, outside of yeah, outside of New Orleans. This is a guy whose whose recruiting story goes all the way back to the summer at the uh, at the you know the opening out there in California, where you I mean, and in, in, in at the Nike camp in Oregon, excuse me, was going to commit on the NFL Network. Some crazy things happened. He didn't get a chance. He backed off. He committed to Florida. He decommitted. Now. It seems like the Frogs have a really good chance to land him. Tell us a little bit about Jamar Chase, his experience on campus this weekend, and where the Frogs stand in landing him. 
<laughs> well, I heard he had a great visit this weekend, and it was great that his dad was in town with him because the dad's an important important part of his recruitment. Um, his dad's going to be behind him no matter where Jamar chooses, but the fact that he can go in there and, and see for himself what TCU's telling him and, and see what TCU's doing as a program and, and just be around uh, Gary Patterson and the rest of the coaches, I think that was big, but you, you nailed you nailed the uh, the uh, I, I I can't even talk right now. You nailed it, Jeff. I mean, as far as uh, Jamar with with him being so close to committing to TCU over the summer, and it was it was basically a done deal uh, when he was going to commit on the NFL Network. Everyone, and I mean everyone, knew that he was going to commit to TCU, and for whatever reason, it changed. And whether you want to call it signs or whatever. Um, led to uh, Jamar not choosing TCU and then choosing Florida a couple weeks later. I think that's, that's basically gone and obviously gone because he's decommitted from Florida. But uh, the thing that is, is convincing me that I feel he could be a TCU commitment is Rusty Burns has, has been around him for the last two years and he has a great relationship with Rusty. Uh, Rusty is very well, well respected down in Louisiana and, when you look at the position Jamar plays, I mean, they're going to have a need at receiver next year. They're losing six guys right now at receiver. So there's obviously going to be a chance to come in and, and receive some early playing time. And when you look at a quarterback like uh, Sean Robinson, that's that obviously played well as a true freshman this year, and his good buddy that played on the bootleggers team, the seven-on-seven team out of Louisiana, Justin Rogers, he knows that he has some good talent around him. But uh, one of the things that someone told me today um, that really caught my attention out of out of everything I was told about Jamar is that with the dad, the dad ha- has basically said that TCU checks all the boxes. And what that means is they have a good program. Jamar can fit in. The academics are great. Location is great. Basically, all the things that you're looking for as a family um, for your kid to go play football at. Um, not only football, but getting your education, TCU is uh, really setting themselves apart. And I think it's going to come full circle, guys. I think Jamar really, really loved TCU in the beginning. He commits to Kansas. Everyone was like, Kansas, what in the world is this Kansas commit? Everyone knew it wasn't going to stick, and it didn't. Then he almost comes close to committing to TCU for whatever reason. He decided to delay it, and then he commits to Florida understands Florida's not the right place for him. They lose their coach, and now he's in this place. Here he is again. Here, Here's the team that he considered high all this time. They've still got the same coaches there, same head coach, same offensive coordinator, same receivers coach, programs and going in the right direction. They won 10 games. They're a top 15 team, and I think they notice all that. They graduate their players, and – I think it's finally going to click for him that, you know what, LSU is going to, I'm not going to discount LSU boys. I mean, it's, it's LSU is going to be a tough one to beat, but I, I, I think just the way his recruitment has gone and the way it's come full circle, I think he's going to convince himself that TCU is the place he needs to be. Will he be signing next week or is he going to wait until February? No, no, he's, he's a February guy. Okay. Okay. And then let's flip right over to his teammate, Aaron Brule. Did I say the last name right? 
you can say it that way or brulee. I mean, I've heard it. <laughs> I've heard it different ways. All right. If you're talking Cajun, it's brulee. Okay. Well, I, I as someone whose name is spelled uniquely, I want to be respectful of the pronunciation, but we'll go with brulee. Is uh, in respect for some South Louisiana fellows. So. Aaron Brule, obviously he's also out of Archbishop Rummel down there in Metairie, Louisiana, outside of New Orleans. He was also on the cusp of committing, and some people have talked about uh, Jamar Chase and Aaron Brule as an unofficial package. And so once once uh, Chase didn't commit to TCU and began to look towards Florida, Brule committed to Georgia. The Frogs got a big in-home in last week, and they got Brule on campus with Jamar Chase this weekend. Pictures all over Twitter of them uh, – you know, being out there under the lights at the car, that looked amazing. What 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 differentiates right. Br- uh, Brule from Chase in terms of his rec- commu- uh, recruitment and where are the Frogs at and landed him? Well, uh, his his recruitment kind of picked up here lately. I mean, it was obviously the same as you mentioned in the summer as Jamar. I mean, Aaron was very close to committing to uh, TCU too. Everyone was – it was – Kind of like uh, Jeremiah Donati becoming the TCUAD. It was the worst kept secret in the world that Jamar and Aaron were going to commit to TCU. Everyone was talking about it. Everyone basically knew it. And then that crazy stuff happened up in Oregon. And it, it just kind of had a domino effect, what would happen the next few weeks and few months. But Aaron, uh, they, they, they made an in-home visit. Coach Patterson made it a point to get down to Louisiana and, and see him in person and They've basically told him, "Hey, we're you're, we want you here. We want you at TCU, and we want you to come and make an impact." I don't know if they're looking at him as a safety or linebacker. It could just kind of be a hybrid right now. Um, but I mean, the the fact of the matter is, is he's listening and he's committed. He's been committed to Georgia for a few months, but whether or not you uh, believe what you read out there in, in Georgia land is that they might be looking to find a way to drop them. And I have, I have no confirmation if that's true or not. Uh, I have, I have not talked to anyone with Georgia about that, but the fact that people are talking about it, that you could be making room for other prospects and the fact that Aaron tweeted something pretty, uh, pretty eye opening a few days ago talking about it's just a business. I mean, that's, he's, he's obviously getting, getting something from someone. But I know in the in, in, over the weekend that he did spend a lot of one-on-one time with Coach Patterson. That was big. That obviously, when you get that kind of attention from the head coach, uh, as a defensive player, knowing Coach Patterson's a defensive-minded coach, that's pretty important. And from everyone I've talked to, they did a great job recruiting him. Uh, Relay loved the visit. And I think they, if, if everything – it's going to depend on what Georgia does, guys. I think if Georgia does move on, then I think he's going to commit to TCU. If if they don't know what they're doing and this plays out till February, then I obviously think that it's going to be a hard sway for them to do. But I, I do know that, that he had a great time at TCU, and this is going to be one of those ones I don't think we're going to have to worry about the next two or three days. We'll we'll be rehashing um, all this discussion with he and Jamar back in late January, early February, that week of uh, signing day. 
Well, let's take a look at the last guy on your list here, uh, Donovan Mutton, out of uh, Klein Collins in Spring, in Spring, Texas, out there in the far north suburbs of Houston. This is another curious recruiting story. You had mentioned him a couple times, you and Jeremiah, on the podcast, that this is a guy the Frogs have got an eye on. He's been on campus numerous times, even though you maybe you haven't heard about him. Update us where the Frogs are at and where, where their relationship is and um, where he might be in the commitment process. I put him on that commitment list. Because if if they miss out on Brule, then I think Mutant will be the next guy to commit. Um, and I think I think it's they're not technically slow playing them, but I think they're looking at it as we're gonna take we're gonna take one of them. And I know for a fact that that Donovan loves TCU. He visited TCU several times unofficially this year um, to see some football games and just talking with them last week it was obvious to see that TCU has been on his mind for a long time. I think if he would have came up this past weekend that he would have committed. Um, but it, it is one of those situations where I don't think he's going to sign early with Houston just because I know TCU is still recruiting them. They're still um, telling them that they want him to come up. I think he might come up in January, which I'm pretty sure he's going almost hundred percent sure they're going to tell him to come up in January and he'll, and he'll make that visit. But I posted it on the board. It's, it, it's going to be one of those things where they, they've got to take a chance on trying to get Brule now. Yeah. It, it could come back and, and burn them, but they, if, if they have a chance with the, with the kid like that and he keeps telling them, Hey, I'm, I'm seriously considering y'all, then you've got to, you got to take that into consideration that you can get a player at that caliber. Um, that's kind of more in the mode of, uh, what their what their safeties and linebackers are right now because you with, with Brulee you're getting you're getting a player that could play safety or linebacker and with with Donovan you're getting a player that is primarily a linebacker and he's he's athletic I I love his film man he is good on film but as far as the the players um, that they've kind of been recruiting at that position the last few years I think in my opinion it's just my opinion that that Aaron fits the mold a little bit better just because he's more of the 6'2", 205, uh, runs a 4'5", four, 4'6", four, and gains some weight, he could play linebacker. If he doesn't gain weight, he could play safety, and you really can't say that about Donovan right now. Without uh, putting all your cards on the table, does this fall under the category of you got a player that we normally would have started to warm up in early January, but because of the early signing day, we had to kind of get in a little sooner than we normally would in the hopes that they don't sign with the hopes that he doesn't sign with Houston. And then he's still a viable option come early January. Well, I think they've, they've kept him warm for a long time. I know the offer seemed like it came out of the blue, but he was one of the guys that they've recruited for a very long time. And like I said, he's, he's been up to campus a few times this season and I know Paul Gonzalez has done a great job recruiting him. And it's one of those things where if he, if he feels that he, if he doesn't sign with Houston, he still has a chance to, to uh, go out and, and visit with some of his other options. Then, you know, hopefully for him, TCU still around at that point. And that's, that's the bad thing about the uh, December 20th signing day. That's, that's the one thing that, it really hurts recruits because if you don't sign, then those coaches will come back and tell you, well, you're not signed. We're going to go out and recruit some other kids then. And in return, just 
not to say this is going to happen to Donovan, but you're looking at that kind of, you're looking at something like that where if he doesn't sign, what if, so, what if Houston comes back and says, well, if you don't sign, then, you know, you're leaving it up to us to go out and, and find those, you know, find a recruit at your position. And that puts, that puts a recruit in a tough situation and it, it puts the heat on him to, to go ahead and sign. And, you know, that's not saying TCU is going to do that with any of the kids that they don't sign, but they're not going to sit on their hands either. I'm just, that's, that's just college coaching. I mean, they can't, it, it, it would be like if, 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 if Justin Rogers, for whatever reason, didn't, didn't sign, I mean, we, we know where he sits. Okay. I'm just using him as an example. Then they would have to go out and recruit another quarterback. They they would have to, even though he's, even if Justin remained committed, you still have that chance that he may not sign. So you got to at least, you got to at least go out there and look at a, another, uh, another quarterback. Now I'm probably using the worst example in, out of all the commitments. And I don't want people to freak out. Oh, Justin's swaying now. And I certainly don't want his family thinking that I'm just, I'm just using him as an example. I could say the same thing about, uh, the, uh, Fabian Franklin kid. I mean, they're, they're running back, but they're still recruiting other running backs. They want to make sure they get their needs. So it's a, uh, it's a catch 22 guys. I mean, it really is. Yeah. It's, this is all unknown for everybody. This yeah. is, this is new for recruits. This is new for high school coaches. This is new for college coaches. And I think it's going to take a couple of cycles to see what kind of sinks in, in the hope. And in, in my hope is you start to get where 80% of your class signs in, in December. I hope that that's it, the process. It's so. going to become the big. It's going to become the bigger signing day. There's no doubt in yeah. my mind. As long as as long as the coaches keep voting to have it, it will be the bigger yeah. signing day of the two. The, February, you're going to be looking at maybe five, six, seven signees. Period. Yep. Well, let's look at one last uncommitted commit uh, recruit that was on campus this weekend. Deshaun Corbin out of Florida. He had been a Florida State commit. Jimbo leaves. He's in the process. He had decommitted. Um, maybe looking at USC. Tell us a little bit about his experience on campus, what we know about that kid, and where the Frogs stand moving forward. I really like TCU's chances here. I mean, he's this recruitment has really come out of nowhere since he, his de- decommitment from uh, Florida State. But Looper's done a great job of uh, of recruiting the kid. He got him up here on campus and uh, really a, a short amount of time. I mean, he's he's been on them, kind of kept him warm, but they didn't offer Corbin until a few weeks ago. And to get him on campus this quick, I mean, that says something. But he loved the visit, told me he loved everything about it. And he, he really loves the players, loves the coaches. And he said uh, TCU has told him that with his ability, he can come in and, and – be a running back that could see early playing time. And when you got guys like Darius Anderson and Shea Will next year, they're going to be juniors already. I mean, if I hate to say it, but if Darius goes out there and rushes for 1,700 yards, I mean, look at his NFL possibilities. So you could be losing a guy, a, a very good running back at the end of next year, just, you know, hypothetical here. And getting a guy like Corbin would be big for them because he's kind of in the same mode as Darius. He's a six foot, 190. Uh, pounds. He's he's uh, a great running back. He's very versatile out of the backfield. Can can motion out um, to the slot. Can motion from the slot to running back. Basically, how they use their running backs right now, guys. How they use Kyle and they use Darius. I mean, he fits it perfectly. He's the number five all-purpose back in the country. And uh, I, I asked him today. I said, Hey, 
you know, are you, are you going to be visiting USC? And he said, well, and, and I didn't mention anything about the running back. And he said, well, they just got to commit. And so it's, it's very debatable. And I think that's big. And, and I asked him, I said, well, do you have any other visits planned at the moment? And he said, no, not it, nothing certain right now. The, the thing about him is he's, he's locking TCU a lot right now. TCU might have the, I, I, he's not going to sign until February, so I don't want to get everyone's hopes up and think he's going to sign in two days, three days. But they did definitely leave an impression on him and his family. And they could go in and, and if they go in and get this kid, I know Florida State's still going to be a very tough one to beat. It's close to home. He was committed there before. They've got a great coach in Willie Taggart. They're going to have another opportunity to sway him. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if he decided to stay home. But the fact of the matter is, is uh, earlier today, I didn't know where TCU would stand with Corbin. And after talking to him, he's uh, very much in the running. Uh, TCU's very much in the running to land him. Wow, that is, a, that is a great recruiting story. And I love to see that a guy that wasn't even on the radar a month ago in terms of you know getting him on campus, getting an offer, now he's having second thoughts about maybe even taking any other visits. That's, that's well, great that's, stuff. So That's a crazy a thing. to the staff. Yeah, I mean, just just a few weeks ago, we're talking about how TCU needs to go out and find these 195, 200-pound running backs, and, and, and they got one four-star running back already, and now they're on the verge of possibly landing another one. And this was three weeks ago, guys, two, two three weeks ago, and, and for them to have a chance to land not only one but two backs that are both ranked in the top 15 in the country, that would be huge. That would be a, a great, great job by Looper. Getting those to get those two. It would be. It would be. Well, we're going to go quick hit here on some questions. Uh, first, I didn't say this at the beginning. I've got a killer sore throat right now. So if it sounds like I'm um, talking through sandpaper, that's because I've, uh, my voice is killing me. So I'll talk less. Jeremy, you can talk more. Let's go real quick here on, on some questions. Obviously, this is a yes or no. Is there any player the Frogs are recruiting that you've been told to keep quiet at this point right now? Uh, that's a tough one because the one they told me to keep quiet, he is kind of getting cold feet now, and I, I I don't think they're pursuing him that much anymore. So I will say who he is now. So turn up. Oh, we here we go. Hey, we got breaking news. Turn up, turn up, uh, turn up your uh, whatever you're listening to this podcast on, and I will tell you. Right after these messages. <laughs> Where's Daniel at? Oh, there he is. <laughs> no, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell Mike you. Freeze. His name No. Some someone Dwight mentioned Smith. Some someone mentioned him a long time ago when I started talking about uh the running backs. And someone got it right off the stinking bat and I couldn't believe it. I I was just like they, someone, I mean, some, there are some private investigators on our, on our site. So, uh, props to them for getting that right off the bat. But the guy that I was kind of talking about, um, before is, uh, Jamil Jeter. He's out of San Antonio Brennan. He's six foot two Oh three. He's committed to Oklahoma state. He's been committed to Oklahoma state since August. Um, but that was one of the guys that they were, uh, recruiting pretty heavily that offered. Um, but here in the last month or so, he's, kind of solidified his commitment to Oklahoma State. 
they were trying to get him up for a visit, but I don't think that's going to happen anymore. So, uh, Jamil Jeter, that's your boy. That's the boy. All right. We formally had the announcement since our last podcast of uh, Sonny Dykes. He's actually coaching the bowl game for SMU. He's the new head coach over there in, in Highland Park, left the TCU staff where he's an offensive analyst. Do you know of any assistants or GAs that might be joining yeah. Sonny over there um, in Dallas? And forgive me if I, I can't remember. Uh, let me pull it up here because I'm, I'm really bad at names with the with the GAs sometimes. Um but this, and I met this guy. We met him a couple. We met him at the camps, Jeff. Uh, he was a, he was a uh, quarterback assistant, and uh, he's going over there. He's going over there to coach receivers. Oh, I believe. Uh, yeah. I, yes, uh, I know his face. But David I don't know his name. I know who you're talking David about. David yeah. He was yeah. an offensive analyst this year for TCU, and and he yes. had, he had came from Cal, I believe. He was uh, he was out in California. Um, and that's how he ended up over at TCU because Sonny was because Sonny was over there. But um, yeah, as far as I know, that's that's the one that's the uh, one GA that I know is going over there. Um, he did Sonny Docks did hire a former TCU coach. He hired Trey Haverty uh, as part of his staff too. And I believe Chris Scott might be a coach over there, if I'm not mistaken. If everyone remembers Chris Scott, he used to um, play at TCU and. Man, I remember interviewing that kid, and I think he's a stinking coach at SMU now. So that just shows how old I am. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, he's going to get a nice staff. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of a unique situation that he's coaching the bowl game. I guess you could say. I mean, he's he's. I mean, what better way to get to know your team than to go out there and start coaching them up, coaching them up already? But it's it's a great situation for them because they don't got to go on the road or anything for a whole week. They're get up and go up. Uh, the toll the toll road and uh, being Frisco in a matter of minutes to play in their bowl game. But yeah, I think he's going to, I think he's going to carry the torch of uh, what Chad Morris has done over there for that program. Um, I think there'll, there'll obviously be some offensive excitement. They'll get some kids. Haverty's a, Haverty's a great recruiter. I mean, he did great at TCU. He was, he was actually the one that recruited Patrick Mahomes to Texas tech. And a lot of people forget about that. He he started recruiting Mahomes when he was at uh, TCU, and then it was funny because I talked to Patrick, and he was talking about the situation. He's like, one week I'm talking to Coach Haverty, he's wearing purple, and next week he's wearing red. And so that was that was kind of a funny situation. But yeah, he'll build a good staff over there. But as far as the assistants from TCU, the only one I knew know of right now is David Grew. What would be the biggest potential surprise between now and Friday when signing day, the window closes? Is there anything that um, you don't know that you can't talk about yet? Are there any potential surprises that could show up on the radar screen? Uh, There'll be a surprise in January. That's all I can say about it right now. There'll be a surprise in January. The January surprise, man. That's the, that's the opposite of the October. I'm not going to say I'm not, it's, it's not a commitment, but, People will be surprised by it. There's still some things in the works. I'm not. I'm not even going to mention a position. I'm not going to do anything. But from what I understand, just keep an eye out for January. Once, uh, once the spring semester starts, the whole we'll month of January, there. I will wake up. No, it'll be, out, it'll be out. It'll be out early January. Okay. Once, okay. once school starts, just just keep an open mind. My mind is open. Is that mind is open? 
No. Okay. It's not Mike Freeze. Okay. Is that Dwight Smith from Carthage? I'm trying to, he's coming back, and I'm trying to pinpoint when it is. I just can't figure it out. You probably know his eligibility off the back of your head. Off the top of your head. Me? Uh, well, no, I have no, no idea. No, Daniel. Oh. I just know he I just know he got on the tractor the day after the Minnesota game and he never came back. Art Browse is coming in as the offensive coordinator. I'll just say it now, Daniel. Let's just get it out there. All right. I mean, people were getting fed up with Sonny anyway, so might as well bring in <laughs> No. Oh, whatever. Don't give me this crap. All is forgiven as long as he's the TCU coach. No way. No, well, no, 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 no. Way. He has a letter. It's okay. No, they wrote right. him a letter, and it, it, everything it didn't. Ever, it's like it never happened. It's okay. That's <laughs> right. It has been expunged. That's right. Well, let's flip over to the Alamo Bowl, guys. That's a that's a lot of recruiting there. Um, no crap, I can't forget. I'm sorry. I, there's one last thing I wanted to end it with. This um, one more thing here. Let me put you on the spot, Jeremy. Justin Rogers has been the anchor of this class, not only at the top of the list of um, the highest, you know, one of the highest rated players that TCU has ever had committed to them, but he seems to have been the one that that brought a lot of Louisiana connections. He's the reason we got some of these highly rated kids on campus here at the end of the season that are leaning towards TCU, that they're that are the frogs to lose. Describe his leadership and what people see that, that's more than Twitter and more than, you know, just, oh, you should come here on, online. What is it about Justin Rogers' leadership as a football player that has attracted this quality of a class? Well, I mean, I, I guess the best you could, you, you could say is actions speak louder than words. And, and you just watch his actions on the football field. I mean, he is phenomenal, not only as a player, but as you mentioned, as a leader. And, and people gravitate toward that. And he's, he's, uh, very outgoing. He's got a great personality, comes from a great family. And when, when you have a, a a guy with his personality and his ability to plays quarterback, everyone looks at the quarterback, no matter what it is, you're always focused on the quarterback and, and people look at those certain intangibles. Is, is he a leader? Big check mark. Is he, is he a, a athletic quarterback? Yes, but he hates to be called an athletic quarterback because he has got a stinking rocket of an arm. So he's more of a pro style quarterback, in my opinion, that can just run when he needs to. But as far as him just going out and recruiting, um, he's he wants the best players around him, and he 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 wants TCU to be good. He he has that. I don't know how it is. It's kind of like what Sean Sean did the, the year before and, and Wes Harris. I mean, they just want to surround themselves with good players because they feel that they can win a national championship at TCU. And they're getting there. I mean, we're, we're, we're talking two games away this year. I mean, look at Oklahoma. They just ran into a, a buzzsaw in Oklahoma like a lot of teams have. But I think the thing about Justin is – the thing that's impressed me is despite him not playing this year, it never, it never affected his spirit, at least out in public, never affected his spirit. Um, and going to TCU, like he, he always, uh, retweets stuff. He's excited about the frogs, um, keeps in con- constant contact with Cumby and is just looking forward to that next chapter. And when you have someone that is that motivated, that, that wants to, to do good, Players see that, recruits see that, and not to mention he's one of the top 40 recruits in the country. They want to go play with a guy like that. 
that's this period. And they see a guy from Louisiana. Here's, here's this guy from Louisiana that is a, the top quarterback in the state that had LSU banging down his door, and he's a top three player in the state. And here he is sending a message to the rest of Louisiana. I don't have to go to LSU, guys. So what if LSU is our, is our uh, state school that all the top recruits go to? I want to make the best decision for myself, and you guys should do the same. Who cares if you're from Louisiana? That doesn't mean you have to go to LSU. Come down to TCU. And that's one of the things that I think those Louisiana players have gravitated to because he kind of he kind of set the tone. He's proven that you don't have just because you're a top player in Louisiana, you don't have to go to LSU. You can go down the road a little bit to the west, and uh, that's actually closer to Baton Rouge. Fort Worth is closer uh, for a lot of those guys uh, up in the northern part of Louisiana, but. It, the fact of the matter is, is he just he's just proven that he's he's a uh, top rated player and he wants to go to TCU and others are following him. That's good. I wanted to just take a moment and highlight his leadership on this class because it really has been climbing up the charts since since he committed. And he's obviously been the anchor of this class, and he's going to be the closer. There's no other way to put it. If we're getting, if we get, if we get down to the wire, he's the one that's going to be able to close it with a lot of these kids that he's close to, that he's played with, seven on seven, that he's known. And um, I just want to express some gratitude for what he's been able to do for TCU before he's even signed. And he will be signing with the Frogs this Friday, so it's going to be a great future he's got in front of him here with all the kids that he's going to bring with him. All right, let's let's change gears here. Let's flip over to the Alamo Bowl. The Frogs are playing December 28th uh, against Stanford, number 13 Stanford against number 15 TCU. We just want to kind of do a quick hit here before we do some predictions. Daniel, I want to put you on the spot here if you're still awake. Um, <laughs> I, we, we, man, we got Jeremy talking on recruiting. I love it. That's what I wanted. But uh, we, we're going to close here with the Alamo Bowl. Uh, the Frogs are 3-3 three and three in their last six games. I've seen things that have really kind of frustrated me. Now, I know playing Oklahoma twice will make you feel that way. What do you think the Frogs need to do, Daniel, to get back in the winning groove, to get the offense clicking again in order to be able to move the ball against Stanford? Well, I'd like to see Anderson back. I feel like um, if with like using utilizing Morris back in the line and running with Anderson if he's healthy, if he wants to do that, some some people think that that's not a good idea. Just you know, av- avoid any possible injury and wait till next year. I don't know, but I think just get back to how how we uh, got the season off to such a good start, like uh, against Oklahoma State. You know, just, just pound the ball and and keep uh keep grinding the clock, which keeps the ball out of Stanford's hands, and um, just get back to what 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 they did right at the beginning of the year. Uh, they they got a chance to. Use Morris again uh, later in the year, but that was against Oklahoma, and it just uh, that just didn't work out. So that doesn't mean it's not going to work against Stanford. So I, I think the, um, they had, they had the uh, the formula right uh, for how to win games, and um, uh, just you know get back to what we were doing when it worked. Yeah, that's a great combo. That's what that's how we were winning games with Patrick Morris at center, with Darius Anderson being able to run the ball. Jeremy, do you know what what are the chances of of Anderson playing in this game? I've heard the word quote game time decision. That means it's close. I don't think it'll be made yeah. two minutes before kickoff. Yeah, I, but where are we at on that? No, I think we'll we'll see some a day or two before the game. He was. I mean, he's been walking around on it. I think he has a great chance to play. Um, 
I keep hearing same thing as you guys. It's he's still questionable. I, I haven't heard any things through the cracks saying, "Hey, man, he's he's going to play," but we can't say anything. I haven't heard any of that any of that at all. And typically, that stuff kind of comes out um, before the fact. But I'm I'm kind of up in the air with you guys. I I, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to play or not. I know if he does play, it's going to be a, a, a great help to the Frogs running game when Darius is out there. And this is no offense to Kyle or Shaywo, that when Darius is out there, it, he's he brings a different element to the game. And uh, I know it would be big for them to have him because Stanford's got a pretty solid defense. But, yeah, I, I wish I could tell you guys and break some scoop, but I don't have any on that. Yeah, no offense to anybody else, but the offense does click when we have Darius Anderson on the field getting the ball, getting the ball 15, 18 times a game. Obviously, stopping Bryce Love is going to be the highest priority. Stanford plays, I know they're on the West Coast, but they play the stereo, what I think of as old school Big Ten football. They're going to have two tight ends. They're going to have a fullback. They're going to have. They're going to run the lead ISO through the five hole. It is, uh, it is old school football, smash mouth football. What do you guys think? Either one of you think the Frogs need to be able to do on the defensive line that we haven't been able to do against Oklahoma. I know those are two totally different offenses, but Stanford has ability. How do you think the Frogs are going to match up against that Stanford run game? Well, for me, I think they're going to match up pretty good because Stanford uses a lot of bodies on you, but TCU's speed on defense can kind of counteract that. And the thing that made... Oklahoma is so good, Jeff, is they have Rodney Anderson. They got the big offensive line, but they also had Baker Mayfield too and some stud receivers. And Kellen Chris is a good quarterback, but he's not Baker Mayfield. And I think if they, if they can if, – if, when they play a team that's just a predominant run team, like look what they did against Arkansas, they completely shut them down. Um, and and they've, they've done a great job shutting down run games this year with the exception of Oklahoma. But – I, I think their speed on defense is going to help them. Obviously, they're big up front. Stanford is, and they'll overload the heck out of you. I mean, they're they're not they're not going to try to disguise anything as far as where they're going to be running. They're gonna they're gonna move their tight ends. They're gonna run double tights to the left, double tights to the right. They'll have a wing out there. They'll 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 keep stinking eleven guys in the box. You know what I mean? They're they're not going to spread you out like they like TCU's seen all year from the Big Twelve. And if they do, Stanford does start to try to spread them out, then they'll be well equipped to well equipped to face that. Um, but Bryce Love is one heck of a running back. I mean, he is very very fast, and he's one of those guys that doesn't need a big seam to to take it to the house. I mean, he's he's one guy make one guy miss, and he's off to the races. And, and TCU's got to be very aware of that. But the thing that I think is going to help them with uh, with Stanford's offense and their offensive line is just the overall speed on defense i don't think stanford's uh, stanford has seen this kind of de- speed on defense that they're about to see on the 28th you know this does make for a good matchup if for no other reason you know you got to respect stanford i like i like david shaw i like their program i like that that shaw has actually been able to take it to another level than harbaugh was able to take it to and you just know every one of those kids are smarter than you are so i'll be I'll, it'll be exciting to watch tcu yep. and stanford that'll be that'll be two great schools two great programs two respectable coaches facing off in, a, in, a, in what i hear is an improved venue i saw that they put 60 million dollars of renovations into the Alamo Bowl since the last time the Frogs played there. So you won't have to wait 
wait an hour and a half to go get a beer or uh, hit the little boys' room. So hopefully fans will have a better experience because, man, I heard some bad stories from the 2015 al- 2016 Alma Bowl. So. It, I didn't have any bad stories, but the bowl, is, the, the stadium itself, the dome, just seemed really, really plain on the inside. There's, I don't know. I'm not like a big bells and whistles type guy, but it just seemed like they threw up a, a bunch of walls, put a roof on it, and really didn't do a whole lot to the interior. And uh, hopefully, I mean, the press box was, was kind of nice, but, it, I mean, as far as just if you're – Looking at big major stadiums like the Alamo Dome, I, I, I thought I'd see a little bit more, but I'm, that's not a knock on them. I still want to be in that press box. That press box is pretty cool because the glass doesn't go all the way up, so you can basically hear all the all the crying and the, the hollering and the booing and then the cheers um, from the uh, from the fans, so that was pretty that's cool. cool. Well, let's, let's get some predictions here. Daniel, let's start with you. Frogs and the Stanford Cardinal, what's, their, what's your prediction? Uh, let's go 34, 21 frogs, three, four, 21 frogs, Jeremy. I'm going to go 31, 21 frogs. I'm going to go 35, 28 frogs. I think it's going to be a close game, but, um, frogs are going to be able to put up a little more points than they may have been able to the last couple of games. So I think the frogs are going to be in a good spot to win this game. And it's going to be a good one. These are two good programs. So this is going to be a good game. Well, the last thing we want to turn to before we uh, wrap up this episode of the Frogcast is uh, we're learning how to be basketball fans. We are learning how to be all in on a top 15 basketball program. Here it is, people. TCU played for the Big 12 title, and their basketball team is ranked higher than their football team. Jamie Dixon's got the Horned Frogs checking in at number 14. The Frogs are undefeated, one of the handful of undefeated teams left. They play the mighty Texas Southern Tigers this week, so... Maybe not the best judge of how, how strong we are, but it does mean that we'll remain undefeated. Jeremy, you've been out there to, a, to several games to cover the team. What do you see in what Jamie Dixon has brought, and what do you see that he's been able to do to move TCU basketball to a new level? Well, he's I mean, he's recruited well. He's got the kids believing. I mean, that, he, he inherited a lot, of, a lot of good talent, too. Um, but man, he's just done an exceptional job. I mean, I, I can't even put into words how how good it is. I don't think any of us would have thought that this team would have been ranked number fourteen. I think everyone saw the the uh, the chances for them to be good based off last year, and then winning the NIT in his very first year coaching the Frogs. But the fact that he has them at number fourteen right now, they're undefeated. It, man, it's just so fun to to go out there and watch this team and and watch the way he coaches and, and just what they're doing on the recruiting front. I mean, they had three guys that were ranked in the top two, four, seven, uh, out of their 2008 recruiting class, 2018 recruiting class. And I think that's just going to keep getting better every year that he's here because he just does a great job recruiting. And, and the one guy that, uh, they didn't have ranked in the top two, four, seven, from some folks I've talked to the Angus William McWilliams kid, they think he's going to be the best one out of the whole bunch. And, uh, he's, he's really the guy that no one's even talking about, but the, the fact that the, the way Kenrich is playing, Vlad's playing, they're just so deep on the roster. I mean, you, they've got a, a roster that is just loaded, loaded with talent. And the fact that they've got Kevin Samuel now that can play, uh, not play. He's going to redshirt. I know that was one of the questions that 
someone was asking on the board. Um, Coach Dixon, I actually talked to him about it when when the whole discussion was going to be when he gets released and, and has a chance to uh, participate. He's going to be able to practice, but that's even though he's not going to be able to play in games, it's still going to be a big help for them practice-wise because they get to bang around with the big old 6'11 kid, and uh, it, sh- it gives them a good look uh, as far as practice goes. So that And that'll be good for Kevin's development as well. Um, getting him, having him be out there and, and have a chance to practice. But yeah, exciting, exciting times for basketball right now. Yeah, if it's you've fun. got a chance to get out there to Schulmeyer Arena, go enjoy it because this is this is a new experience, and you want to be able to say that you were in on the ground level of this. It looks like the Frogs are going to be competitive in a wide open Big Twelve. Kansas is down this year, and and, and I mean down by by Kansas terms. Wouldn't it be crazy if the first team to knock Big, uh, Kansas off the Big 12 mantle was TCU? I think that would be just a great story. So if you get a chance. I mean, they have a chance. I know. They have I mean, a they real really chance. The, the, the game that impressed me the most this year is, is SMU. Because SMU is a very good basketball team. No one wants to give them credit. But I'm telling you right now, SMU is a good basketball team. They went out and beat Arizona. They were, they were ranked number two. And they've beat some quality. I think they beat USC and TCU pretty much TCU, TCU pretty much dominated them almost the whole game. And then you had, then you had TCU go out to California and beat Nevada, which was the top 25 team. So, I mean, that's, that was uh, saying something about how, how good they are, but you're right, Jeff, the big 12 is, so loaded this year. I mean, it's it's going to be it's going to be tough. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a if it's a conference where a lot of teams are knocking off each other, and a lot of teams have 500 conference records just because it's so tough. Yeah. Expand on that, will you, Jeff? You know, I think this is going to really bring. Um, I think this is really going to bring TCU basketball to the forefront. It's going to be amazing to watch the Frogs possibly leapfrog several historically strong basketball programs to a place that the TCU's never been before. If we're if we're better, if we're more competitive for the next three years than Oklahoma State, than, than Texas, than Kansas State, than Iowa State, those are teams that that just wake up and assume they're going to make the NCAA tournament. And to see that Jamie Dixon is going to have the Frogs in a competitive spot to be, uh, you know, just going up against anybody. There's no one that they're intimidated against in the Big 12 this year, as far as I'm concerned. What a great story. And I I hope it for Dixon. I hope it for TCU fans. And I hope for fans that are, you know, kind of on the sidelines, to be honest, like I am, get all in. Because this is a great basketball story. And this is a team that you're going to want to cheer for. This is a fun team to follow. And you're going to enjoy it. So get out there and support If they stay healthy, they're going to the tournament. I'll put that out there right now. I mean, oh, yeah. I will, go. too. Yeah, absolutely. Their absolutely. RPI right now is in the top 10, I believe. I mean, it's crazy how high it is. Yeah. Yeah, the Frogs are going to be in a great spot to be, to be competitive and to, and to get into the tournament and, and heck, maybe even make some noise. So it would be great if they could knock off Kansas this year in the regular season. Whew, man, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. Baylor, too. Oh, yeah. I didn't even – bother to mention them hey i want to start this so if you guys are on twitter i know jeremy you can't do this because you're a professional um don't let tcu going to the alamo bowl distract you from the fact that baylor went one and eleven 
That's a good point. I just don't want anything to distract us from the fact that Baylor went 1-11. So don't let anything keep that off the forefront of your mind. Well, guys, you got anything to add before we wrap up here? This has been a great show for content. We've really covered a lot on recruiting. We got into the Alamo Bowl, got some basketball in. This this is why you listen to this show. My voice is about to die here, if you haven't noticed. So this is this is why we made this merger almost a year ago with with Horn Frog Blitz to get some of this great recruiting content on here. I hope you all are enjoying it. Well, all I got to say, guys, is next Sunday is Christmas Eve, so we're probably not going to be recording. So I'll take this time now to wish everyone a very Merry Christmas. I enjoy uh, everyone's feedback. I have so much fun doing what we do. And I love doing what we do on the site. And I appreciate the feedback. And it's been another great year. But wanted to wish everyone a uh, very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Well, I'll be here next next week. I think I'll record one between our 5.30 and 11 o'clock Easter, or Christmas Eve service. So... Maybe I'll cut one on my own and put it online. No, I will not be doing that. But I do want to wish everybody a, a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We appreciate everybody that listens. This is uh, Some of you have said it online, so I want to go ahead and just reiterate what, you, what you've said and what you assume. This is more work than um, just, just the one hour. We just don't hit record. and We put together an outline, and Jeremy puts together his thoughts of what he wants to talk about and his contacts that he reaches out to. Man, Daniel does so much work to sometimes just keep the recording on the rail. So, and and to make that work, there's so much that he has to to, to do and and to be savvy with to to get this online. We appreciate everything he does. And man, I have a lot of fun doing this. This is, uh, you know, I do church on Sunday mornings. I go home because I'm old. Maybe take a little nap, and I get up about five. And man, I'm I'm just looking forward to this show. So I I've heard from so many people that you wake up on Monday morning and you got this on your iTunes. That it, it's 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 the highlight of your commute that Monday. So we, we, we're glad that you welcome us into your car, welcome us into your earbuds. We love talking TCU, and we appreciate everybody that takes the time to listen to this show. It's, a, it's something that I, I, it means a lot to me. So I really appreciate you guys listening. Anything else as we wrap up, Daniel? Nah. Good. I love it. <laughs> Give us a bah humbug, man. <laughs> no, no, no. I love Christmas. Great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, as always, we appreciate you listening. Go online and subscribe on iTunes if you haven't. Give us a rating. Track us down on Google Play as well. And if you're not, what in the world are you waiting on? Go join Horn Frog Blitz. We're part of the TCU 24-7 network of CBS Sports. You're going to find all the content that Jeremy's talking about on here daily. If you are addicted to TCU info, this is the only sp- place to be at. It is the best recruiting coverage out there, bar none. So as for Jeremy and for Daniel, I am Jeff Mitchell. Thanks so much for listening to the frog.